Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we've got a crazy story of revenge where somebody puts a lien on a $20 million mansion. We'll get to that in a bit, but first... Revenge on the movie producer. Please allow me to note well in advance, this story's not mine. In fact, it's a rather popular story in a town I once lived in, Savannah, Georgia, and centers around one homeowner who got royally annoyed with a movie producer. There will be a note at the end about the fellow the story's about for those interested. Okay, so first and foremost, when movie producers are looking for places to set a movie, that takes place in colonial or even 1800 cities in the US, Due to the sheer number of parks, wide roads, and period houses, they'll often select Savannah, Georgia. They'll pull all the Spanish moss out of the trees or trim it back, pour dirt on the roads around the squares, and effectively backdate that part of the city to fit most any place. Even up to some having used the area as a setting for places like early Washington DC, and even places in Britain or France. Typically when producers do this, they'll pay each homeowner whose house has used its background flavor a couple thousand dollars for the licensing to do so. That will be important later, trust me. They issue some rules, like no electric lights being visible, not coming out of any door that faces the street, and you have to move your automobiles away from the drive, if you have a drive. Well, 1979, a producer came from Hollywood with the intention of using Savannah for that very purpose. Specifically, the producer was from one of the big three-letter TV channels and was working on making a made-for-TV movie, talking about the events after the assassination of Lincoln and the subsequent accusations of the doctor present at his death. The production went to the city to seek permission and then sent an announcement out to each of the homeowners telling them of the various days that the shoot was going to take place. However, much to their downfall, they also noted that the production company would not be compensating the homeowners for the use of their homes as backdrops. This was met with some great annoyance by the homeowners, who turned to the city for help, only to be told that it was their civic duty to allow the use of their homes. Most everyone agreed to this and bit their lips. One homeowner, however, didn't. He decided to get revenge on the production attempting to screw up their shooting every chance he got. He first started by leaving his car out in front of his house, only to have it towed before filming started. He threatened legal action against the studio, but that fell on deaf ears. He forbade the use of his home in some of the shots, but the production company got the city to make him back down. Eventually, enough was enough. So he waited, biding his time until he was certain they were filming. When the day came that his house was being used as a background shot, the homeowner grabbed a massive Nazi flag and hung it out the front of the house out of one of the top windows. The production company balked. They knew that they had ruined any shot they had used there, and what's more, they started to question just when he'd put up the flag. Was it just the one day, or had all the previous shots, some of which showed the house from across the square, been ruined as well. They turned to the city for help, and the city just basically shrugged, saying that it was his First Amendment right to do that, 
and implied that had the production company paid the homeowners, as had always been done before, then this probably wouldn't have happened. In the end, the production company had to end shooting and go to the homeowner, begging him to remove the offending flag. He eventually did so, but only after his lawyer got a contract in writing that required the production company to pay all the homeowners for having their homes in the shot. The flag came down, and shooting wrapped in less than a day. Interestingly, it's said that in the movie in question, The Ordeal of Dr. Mudd, there are several shots where you can see a bright red Nazi flag flying from one of the homes in the distance. That stunt cost the producer quite a substantial amount of money and pushed production back at least a year while they tried to find every single instance that the flag flew in the background shots. The homeowner would go on to himself become very famous, though not for a good reason. Even so, he lives on among the legends of that city, both for his revenge against the movie producer and later his brush with fame. The fellow in question is none other than Jim Williams. Williams was an American antiques dealer and a historic preservationist based in Savannah, Georgia. He played an active role in the preservation of the Savannah Historic District for over 35 years. Williams was arrested on May 2, 1981 for the alleged murder of 21-year-old Danny Hansford, with whom he'd been having a homosexual relationship at Mercer House. After the subsequent four trials, a record in the state of Georgia, Williams was finally acquitted by a jury in Augusta in May 1989, eight years after his arrest. Williams died in 1990 of heart failure, though AIDS is also suspected. He's the center of the story Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil novel and later Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, if you're gonna film outside somebody's actual house and you want to make sure they play nice and don't do some tomfoolery, you probably do have to give them a little bit of some money. I mean, shoot, I know if somebody wanted to go and film outside my house, yeah, I'd want a little bit of kickback for it. It just makes me wonder how much the people get who have the houses that those sitcoms always use, where they take like five different photos of the outside and every time you come back from commercial break, they zoom in on the exterior of some house somewhere. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, my grandma debted money in her will. So, I don't know the full story, but I do know the gist of it. My grandma raised her kids with love. She practically spoiled them, and she raised her grandkids too, me and my two sisters. Two of them, my uncle and my dad, became addicts, and the last, my aunt, became estranged. I've got tons of relatives, so I don't know if I've ever met her. If I have, I don't remember her face or name. So let's call her Little Miss J. J left without looking back and constantly asked my grandmother for money. She hardly repaid grandma, which was a big mistake because, surprise, surprise, my grandma was on top of every penny that she had. She was the best I've ever seen when it came to handling funds. But two years ago, my grandma was diagnosed with cancer. She worked her butt off her whole life, was the strongest woman on the planet, and nobody got by without paying her their dues. Eventually, my grandma dies. In her will, she gives money to my grandpa, my dad, my uncle, me, and my sisters. Everyone in her family. But when it comes to Jay, she says, you still owe me $14. I don't know if she actually somehow debted Jay $14 in a will, or just put it in there as a little slap in the face. All Jay was worried about when grandma died was the money, and she got none of it. 
I can't be prouder to have a grandma that wouldn't leave this world without the last laugh. I don't know if it was meant to be, like, maybe funny in a way to Jay or not. I don't think you can actually debt somebody in a will, but it definitely sends a true message about their feelings towards Jay. Our next story is, I ruined my stepmom's 50th birthday party over cake. My stepmom was a nasty woman to grow up with, mean, vindictive, and had an inferiority complex that she used to attack anyone who was doing well, especially those doing better than her. My dad spent my childhood over the road, and my mom was in and out of inpatient facilities until she passed, so a lot of my time was spent with her being my only available carer or guardian. I won't BS and say I was perfect, but I wasn't bad. Good student, involved in community and school activities, and as soon as I could work I got a job. My biggest issue was that I often took an attitude with her and her family, all of whom sucked to be near. These people have been in my life since I was four. I'm now in my late 20s and not one of them were ever supportive or kind. I had aspirations to go to school and be a psychologist, a teacher, a therapist, a veterinarian. Honestly, I think I just liked the structure school offered and wanted to continue with it after graduation. But as soon as I was handed my diploma, my stepmom handed me a notice to vacate the property. Less than a month later, I was gone. To be fair to him, my father did try to intervene and prevent the eviction since it was his home, but she was the main occupant in the house, and we were informed by a local cop that she could in fact remove me from the home and press trespassing charges if I ever came back. To this day, I think he was likely full of crap, but didn't want to deal with it. So I was 18, homeless, and supposed to start college a few months later, and I'd chosen a local school and rejected better scholarships so I could stay home and save money on housing. I found a place with a man that became my best friend, and I did try to attend school, but honestly it just didn't feel right anymore. Between full-time work just to scrape by, and the mental health issues that arose in the aftermath, I couldn't continue and dropped out. My dad was unable to offer much support and most of my family never cared to intervene since she had convinced the majority of them that I'd chosen to basically go no contact with them. She would call and gloat about how hard the real world is, make snide comments about my dying mother, and in the same breath offer sympathy and support if I came back home. At holiday dinners, she would tell everyone I was the first psychologist she'd ever seen working the till at McDonald's and if I defended myself, I would be chastised for not taking a joke. It was humiliating, and after a few years, I realized I could block her and she couldn't do crap about it. So I did. My life did turn around. I work as a pastry chef in a bakery I adore, and would love to buy some someday if the owner would let me when he retires. It's not a life I ever imagined for myself, but it's a good one that I share with my fiancé, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. In the past two years, I resumed contact with my dad, and as a result, his wife again. He's still a doormat and she's still a runt, but she's not picking on a little girl anymore and I bite back now. I've also managed to contact my mom's family, who had been estranged from her for decades before she died, and met people who could have truly loved me if they had known I existed. Dad's family are kept at arm's length, but I finally have a family that I can talk about when my friends are discussing holiday plans. And that's all I've ever wanted. Doing what I do for a living, I always show off a bit at family gatherings, and I've often made custom cakes for relatives when asked. 
Boundaries have been established, and after the first cousin who tried pushing them found herself without a cake on her son's birthday, they are respected. Stepmom hates my job. She hates that I'm happy, that I don't care if I'm a bit plump, that I'm engaged and she's not allowed near the wedding. She hates that I'm good at what I do. And try as she might, the only thing she can ever insult is the fondant. Which, fair, I don't care for it either. At my dad's birthday party last month, I baked a lovely three-tier red velvet cake for him and provided numerous pastries as well as a cookie buffet. My boss is a godsend for letting me use his industrial kitchen to make it all. Day of, all stepmom could say was my cake tasted like a box mix and that was it. Two decades of abuse and I was finally done trying. I spent days making everything I provided, all free of charge, and she compared my labor and knowledge to freaking Betty Crocker. No shame to anybody who bakes or likes Betty or any other boxed mix, but it's like comparing fast food to your own home cooking and the fast food being preferred. A total slap in the face to the hours of labor and effort and years spent honing and perfecting recipes. She asked me at the beginning of February to bake her cake for her 15th. No other details other than she didn't want red velvet and it was for 100 people. I agreed. I stocked up on Duncan Hines and canned frosting, slapped the frosting on top of crappy sheet cakes a day before, and didn't bother decorating any of them. Stepmom was livid. I ruined her birthday, embarrassed her in front of her friends and family, how could I be so callous, etc. I just told her she compared my cake at dad's party to Betty Crocker, so she must prefer low effort cakes. I left shortly after she started crying. Apparently she had planned on Instagramming the party and had planned on my normal quality of care for my desserts. Dad didn't care, he just said it was best if I'm not around her for a bit and we meet up somewhere other than his house. I don't want to be near her again and I hope her family choked on that dry cake. See, when you try your best to just be a good person and for no reason whatsoever you constantly are attacked, belittled, put down. I mean, at some point, I feel like you're just bound to snap, right? And OP didn't, like, go too far or anything. It's not like they put, like, some harmful substance in there. Like, I totally understand where OP's coming from. This next story is... This is a story about how a coworker got to do her own darn work. About a year ago, my coworker Lola was overwhelmed by a project that had taken her about a year to get nowhere on. She resisted all help on the project insisting she could do it better than anyone else. I had done an identical project as Lola several times in the past, but she wouldn't let anyone else touch it. Having experience in such a project was a factor in my getting hired, because Lola and no one else on staff had this experience, including the bosses. Yet, because she found the process so overwhelming and the bosses wouldn't insist on making her work as part of a team, I was asked to absorb some of her photography assignments within the media office for which we work. I'm the staff writer, but have some 30 years of experience in all areas of our office to include Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Writing, reporting, photography, social media, video, media relations, community relations, and event management. I've worked hard over the years to understand the full scope of our field so I can pitch in in a pinch. Lola is a photographer and graphic designer. A very good one, but that's all she's ever been willing to learn. She uses Canva primarily for graphic design because it's easy. She's told me as much. Anyone can use Canva. That's why Canva exists. Nine months past deadline, I'm asked to help Lola by helping with her workload. She would get full days to focus just on the project, which was nine months overdue. I would do both of our jobs on those days, as well as half the photo assignments day to day. I, likewise, ended up doing a vast majority of any work that occurred in the evenings, because I'm a team player and she has kids. I remember the challenge of being a working mother with children and tried to be empathetic of her situation, as my own children are grown and out of the house. She has a large, local extended family. Fast forward to recent days, the big project was completed a few months ago, at least 15 months late. The work tempo never shifted though. I was able to keep up with the workload and didn't even think about the fact that I was still doing work that I had voluntarily offered to take on at least a year earlier to be a team player. Work that never shifted back to Lola. I honestly had forgotten all about it as I don't mind the nature of the work and it got me out of the office quite a bit. I also didn't feel overwhelmed. One Monday, I had done a photo assignment and took some pictures that were well composed but were not the quality of what Lola the photographer would have produced. I have a camera, while Lola has a multitude of lenses, cameras, and lights to work with. So, of course, what she's going to create will look better than anything I can accomplish with the basic stuff I was given as a writer. Who can help out in a pinch? These photos were particularly valuable, as whole families had come out to the experience, which we were not anticipating. So there were some special photos in there that meant a lot to other people than myself as well. Lola sees the photos and communicates that, if I don't mind, she's going to use photos she took herself a full year prior. Ones that are out of date and don't include all participants. Don't include the families in any way. I very politely explained the above significance and asked her to please use what I had produced. 
As many people were involved and acted in a timely manner to accomplish the task, I asked her to please be a good steward of all our time and effort by using what I had produced. All were usable and more than adequate for social media, which was the intent. She asked if I minded, and I very politely and professionally told her I did. The bosses began to get CC'd following this. Lola could have handled it a lot of ways. Even if she still didn't use my photos, she could have remained professional. Instead, she replied to my email with a list of about half a dozen things she felt were wrong with the photos and said that they were just some of the reasons she wouldn't be using my work. Not acknowledging my message would have been politer and I honestly wouldn't have chased her down to do my will. I support her in her work, but she did ask my opinion in this case and then talked to me like garbage. And boss Troy and boss Joey saw it all and said nothing. The photos were good, but she made them sound like a monkey had taken them with its feet. So I drafted two emails. One to Lola to let her know that I would be deferring all future photo assignments to her so she could be confident in the work that was produced. If she had a calendar conflict, I would be happy to help out. But otherwise, I was going to defer them to her in the future. The bosses were CC'd. Then I emailed boss Troy and boss Joey and told them much the same thing as Lola, being sure to be respectful and professional the entire time. I told them her actions don't contribute to a healthy workplace. Still, no acknowledgement. I'm intentionally putting all of this in writing to protect myself, get it on record and validate the professionalism I maintained. I work hard to never give anyone ammunition to use against me. I worked many years for the military and had to navigate those channels very carefully as a woman in the land of male warfighters. I'm just coming out of a pretty severe depression, so this whole thing threw me for a loop. I was deeply wounded that my coworker would treat me in such a way and that neither of our bosses addressed it. I ended up taking the next day off and no one checked on me. That's not to get petty, mind you, but no one in any way acknowledged what happened. I deserved more respect as a simple human walking the earth. No one deserves to be treated that way. I sat there midday that Tuesday, and I'm so sad just popped into my head. I thought that was an interesting thing to consider, and then realized that my anger was rooted in the fact that Lola was just plain unkind to me. She wasn't just unprofessional, she was intentionally mean. Then I remembered I'd been voluntarily helping her with her work. I had gotten so used to the work tempo that I'd just plain forgotten the photo assignments were never intended to be split tasks. I came back to work Wednesday and still no one addressed it. I did notice how my coworkers kept looking at me like they were waiting for me to say something, so Lola had been talking to them in my absence. It wasn't me being paranoid, it was blatantly obvious. I chose not to be passive aggressive to Lola, but I also didn't go out of my way to interact with her. I've treated my other co-workers as I would any other time, with kindness and a helpful heart. Friday rolled around and still the bosses ignored the situation. No apologies, no comments about me deferring assignments, nothing. I decided if they were not going to advocate for me and deal with the situation, then I would handle it. I have continually been asked to be a bigger person when Lola's been less than professional and this was probably her fifth strike at this point. This miss was just freaking huge on her part. I head down to boss Joey's office who makes the assignments. I ask if I could close the door and talk with him. 
I told him I knew there had been drama and that I didn't want to go into the weekend with anything unsaid or on my mind. I told him I had no desire to sit down and talk with Lola and reminded him of her former work tempo. It was clear he had forgotten. I reminded him that I could do virtually every job on the staff, which he affirmed. I then likewise stressed that Lola had no ability to work outside of her lane, even if she wanted to. She doesn't have the capacity to help me in my own work in any manner. He agreed that was also the case. I explained that it was unfair to ask me to do 140% to Lola's 60. I told him it was wrong to have me do more just because I can. I likewise reminded him how many photo assignments were at night, most of which I'd been doing. So Lola was likewise going to have to start planning to adjust her work schedule when needed. I asked him to please be sure to let Bosch Troy know so that we all knew what to anticipate as we moved forward. I likewise asked him to remind Bosch Troy and Lola that I was simply giving back work that had been hers all along. I told him I would not under any circumstances put myself in a position to be treated in that manner by a co-worker in the future. I asked if he had any questions. He had none, so I thanked him for his time and went back to work. I've been asked to do one photo assignment by boss Joey since then, but Lola had a direct calendar conflict. I don't believe she's realized the genuine change that's occurred yet, as we're in week one, and thinks it's all just gone away. I mean, if they didn't talk to me, they sure as heck didn't talk with her. So now I work hard and wait. Wait for Lola to ask me to take on something when she doesn't have a direct calendar conflict. At that time, I'll remind her that she's the photographer, and she can have the most confidence in her work if she does it herself. Professionally, of course. I mean, you gotta love a person who just doesn't know how good they got it and goes burning those bridges trying to take more and more. Or, you know, just act like they're so infallible and valuable and that they do so good at their job when they don't realize they're being carried. Our next story is, Karen Lady honks at elderly lady, so I block her path. I was walking down the sidewalk past this Panera, and this elderly lady was getting out of the passenger seat of a car, and this total Karen honked at her. The stupid part is that she didn't even give her two seconds. Like, which I can't even move that fast. So I stood in front of her car and blocked her path. Obviously, she got annoyed and started honking at me, but I just stood there unbothered. And then she tried to go around me, so I kept moving in front of her car. It was really funny because there was another car behind her so she couldn't reverse. I left the scene when she got really angry. I mean, it worked out, but man, I've honestly unfortunately seen too many videos of person versus car to know how this can end. Our next story is My Grandpa's Revenge. Many, many, many years ago, my grandpa lived on the street of old houses where one of the neighbors would walk his dog on my grandpa's lawn. The dog would inevitably poop on said lawn and piss my grandpa off. He started coming out to yell at the guy when he was there, telling him to stop letting the dog poop on his lawn. The guy ignored my grandpa, and not one to beat his head against a wall, grandpa stopped going out to yell at the guy. I did notice he would go out after the guy had left. About a month later, I noticed my grandpa carrying one of those five-gallon paint buckets across the street while the guy was standing outside about to take his dog on a walk. My grandpa made full eye contact with the guy while my grandpa quietly dumped the contents of the five-gallon bucket in the middle of the neighbor's lawn. It was completely full of the neighbor's dog's poop. He didn't walk his dog in my grandpa's lawn anymore. 
Honestly, you've got to be absolutely shameless to walk a dog. Watch your dog walk over onto a neighbor's property, squat, take a dump, and just walk away like nothing happened. Like literally, they have to have no shame. That dog literally squatted down right there in front of you and took a dump on your neighbor's property. And you're trying to pretend like it just doesn't matter. Our next story is, put a lien on my neighbors for not being able to pay an illegal special assessment. I'll put a lien on your $20 million mansion. This may be the most petty thing I've ever done in my life. I'm a pretty petty person, and I also believe in malicious compliance, but this takes the cake. So I bought a condo in a building in a large city in the US about two and a half years ago. The building has an HOA that we all pay into monthly. Since I've lived here, the building has rapidly deteriorated and we've all hired an attorney for a class action style lawsuit. I'm talking broken elevators, broken rooftop AC units, the pool was empty for four months during the summer, etc. The people in the building are great though and we're a friendly bunch. Last year, I took the HOA to small claims court because they failed to provide financial documents that show us how our fees are being spent. As this is a legal requirement for all HOAs in my state, I won the case and was awarded the $30 filing fee plus $1. Symbolic, I sued for documents, not money. The fact that they can't provide the docs as they are legally required to do is a separate issue among others, including possibly criming that we've hired the attorneys for. I have asked the HOA to pay the $31 to me and the president of the HOA wants to either meet me somewhere private to give it to me, or he wants to mail me a satisfaction of judgment form, have me sign it and mail it back to him and then he will mail me a check. No to both. Three days after I won the case, the HOA announced that they were going to charge us all a special assessment of about $1,000 each and an increase in our monthly dues of 10%. In my state, a membership vote gets triggered if you charge a special assessment that brings the building more than 5% its yearly income, which means 51% of the owners must approve of the assessment for it to take effect. As this money is about 20% of our yearly income, a vote should have taken place. When we asked about this vote, the HOA said that it was being made under an emergency clause, which means that the membership vote doesn't have to take place. The emergency? Fixing the elevator that broke on December 24th, 2021. The spirit of the emergency clause is for things like fire, earthquake, flood, etc. Not a broken elevator that's been broken for a year already. When there was an understandable pushback, the HOA sent out a little email stating that anyone who didn't pay the assessment would have a lien put on their unit. The liens came down yesterday to those that couldn't pay $1,000 on short notice. Our attorneys told us that even though the money is in dispute, we still have to pay it. And I did pay mine, but we also have a lot of retirees or lower income people in the building. The HOA president's house is currently on the market for $20 million. I just got back from the courthouse, where I filed a $31 lien against it for $140, clouding its title. It's a matter of principle, not money. Now the title can't change hands until he pays me my $31 and I am perfectly within my rights to collect on a judgment owed. This guy really doesn't want to bow down and pay $31 when they have a $20 million mansion? This dude's ego is so fragile. Let it go, backstroke into your pool of millions, 
and continue your crappy HOA domination over the little guy. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.